Welcome to the Temple Executive Coaching Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping provide leadership solutions to small and medium-sized business owners. We'll talk to business experts on establishing company strategy, trends on leadership development, challenges of company culture, and understanding company finance. Now, here's your host, Mike Temple. Welcome back. We're excited to have you with us uh, because we're excited about the topic that we've got today. I'm Mike Temple, a leadership and strategy advisor and the owner of Temple Executive Coaching. And I am joined today by Donna Phoebus, the virtual CFO at Temple Executive Coaching. Not only is she our virtual CFO, Donna is also the owner of Integrity Business Advisors. You know, she's a veteran in the industry. She's got 29 years of experience. I mean, look at some of the industries she's worked with. You know, she uh, she's worked with the um, logistics industry. That's where Donna and I met. Uh, with the construction industry, restaurant industry, e-commerce. She was even an assistant auditor with the state of Washington. She's not done, folks. She holds a bachelor's degree in accounting and business management, as well as a master's degree in accountancy. Wow, Donna, welcome back. Jeez, I mean. Hey, yay. <laughs> I wish I could say some of those. Look, look <laughs> I wish I could say some of that, those things. Mike got a BA from Utah State University back in 1983, which is absolutely useless. Uh, he had a, <laughs> a C minus grade point average and they actually gave him a degree. No, so, <laughs> so guys, we're kind of continuing the theme of control your cash before your cash controls you. And Donna's enlightened us to, you know, some practical things that she's worked with her clients with. So as we're kind of looking at things that biz, small, medium-sized business owners can do to control the cash before it controls you. And if you want to hear some of those things, I encourage you to go back and listen. In this one, one of the, th- one of the um, prior topics that we touched on was the absolute critical importance that every business has a budget, that you create a budget. So Donna, let's start with a very simple question. And I have experience in working with business owners, and I know you do too, Donna. Individuals mm-hmm. within, you know, 10 million, 30 million, you know, 35 million in revenue. And at first I was shocked, but I no longer am. And I understand it. I, you know, these are smart people. They're wonderful people, but they didn't have a budget. So Donna, what's a budget? Let's just start there. Uh, first of all, thanks for that lovely introduction. You always claim me up to be this awesome person, which I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to hide the truth. Yeah. Anyway, um, what is a budget? Let me start by telling you what a budget isn't. Okay. A budget, you know, is not your cash flow. It's not your cash forecast. Think of it as your cash accountability plan. It's planning for basically upfront before you get to say year 2021. You would want to look at a budget and identify what revenues are we going to target. So your money that you're expecting to come in. You're going to want to look at where your money is going. So that's your cost of goods sold and all of your operating expenses. Mm -hmm. And then looking at your net profit, what do you want that bottom number to be? What are you targeting to have net profit at the end of the day? What do you got left over? Okay. Everything's paid off, right? Everything's paid. You've got all your expenses for the year, Mm -hmm. all of your costs and stuff. It's what you got left. That's what your budget is. All right. So, and that all sounds well and good, but 
still, there are some people who are kind of staying ahead of the game, just if they've got money in the account, mm-hmm. they look at the business account, hey, we've got, you know, 10 million in cash, so on and so forth. They're kind of thinking they don't need one. Why do we need a company budget? Every one of us needs to have a plan. We need to know and have that visual of what that plan looks like. Mm-hmm. And your budget, it's part of your plan. It's the cash accountability plan mm. for the business. In essence, it's you controlling your cash instead of your cash controlling you. So you're okay. getting out in front of what potential things might come up. It just gives you some structure and direction mm-hmm. as far as your finances go. Okay. So, you know, therefore, you know, it's providing clarity, you know, mm-hmm. how much money you've got coming in, how much money is being allocated to those key areas like materials that you might be buying, you know, payroll costs, you do marketing, you know, that kind of stuff gives you that clarity on, on what profits you're expecting to have. So you know how to, you know, move forward the following year, you know, maybe you need to buy some equipment, maybe you, you know, you need to do, mm-hmm. you know, certain things. So it gives you that, that clarity on where you're wanting to be and mm-hmm. thinking that you're going to be so that you can plan out capital assets, uh, purchases, and, you know, just those different business scenarios that come about. What I like that you said there, Dan, um, Don, is it, yeah, it's controlling your cash. You may have positive cash sitting in the account, but that doesn't mean it's, you're controlling it. If that right. money, I like what you said, if that money does not know where it should be going, it creates chaos. And when yep. something comes up, that cash dictates what you should do instead of saying, no, based on the budget, this is where this money is going to be allocated. Okay, mm-hmm. makes sense. Control the cash before it controls you. So what I'd like for you to do for, uh, of course, those who are listening, if you would um, you know, mind you know, showing us how do you put together a budget? So what I'm going to oh, do here absolutely. real quick. Let me uh, share my screen with Donna. Let her bring hers up for those of you watching. This is my favorite way to teach, by the way, because I'm such a visual learner myself. It just helps me share with people and teach people. So perfect. Let me do that. All right. So what I did is um, I put together uh, for our conversation this morning an example. I built it out. And so I would just want to walk you through an example of what a budget can look like. This is a very simple spreadsheet that can work for any business. Um, It can get as as elaborate as you want, or Mm -hmm. just as simple as what this is that we're going to use today. Okay. Right off the bat, you should notice that the setup of this Mm -hmm. looks pretty much like your P&L. So your profit and loss statement that we spoke about in previous segments, that's basically how it's set up. And this first section Mm -hmm. is your revenues comparing it to your profit and loss statement. This is your sales, your top line, right? For this example, we're targeting 13 and a half million for the year. So each month you break out what your expected revenues are. You can use that historical information to identify what that might look like. And not to get too technical, but I will say that Every year, you probably kind of have an idea of, you know, maybe something that's going to drop off, maybe something that you're going to gain because you're introducing a new product or, you know, something of that nature that will affect your numbers. So basically, it's building that bridge from where you are to where you want to be. That's what you're going to use this for. That's what you're going to look at um, when you're creating your sales. So in this example, I want you to notice that these first four months, I put in a million 
So let's say that you have a busy season and that busy season is May through July. Like you guys, okay. here, I noticed you've got bakery equipment. So I'm, you know, if you were to use this as maybe a, a, a company that bakes, looks like May, June, July weddings, right? So yeah, we got an uptick in business, but th this could be, I like the example here, Donna, this could be for any organization that, you know, that does have, uh, you know, some seasonal spurts. So May, June, July, yep. I noticed your revenue went up. Yeah. So the reason why you want to do that instead of spreading it over 12 months, it gives you better control mm -hmm. over what that particular month is going to come out to be. Because, you know, as you go through the year and you close out each month, you're going to want to come back and see how you measured up. Okay. Okay. So in these three months, because we know we're busier, you know, we're, we're baking more cakes, right? We're going to have more costs for icing and flour. And you want to be able to see what revenues versus, you know, those added costs for, you know, the products. So here's your net revenue. And if you have any returns, which people don't normally return baked goods in our example, but I put it in here just so you can see that you would back that out and then you would have These your net revenue. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with this? Got too much sugar. It turned my teeth purple, you know. I could hardly finish eating all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they made me fat, you know. <laughs> So let's move down to cost of goods sold. Okay. In cost of goods sold, you have the ingredients for products you make. So in our instance, we make baked goods, right? right. So any anything that's going to go into our baked goods to create our product that mm -hmm. we're going to sell to our customer is going to go in cost of goods sold. So here we have ingredients. So this is like your flour you know, your sugar mm -hmm. and eggs. And so if you go back to that cookie example, we used, you know, the other day, right? Your cookie example, you've got your flour, your brown sugar, your chocolate chips. That's what's going to go here. Other things that would go into baking, you know, just off the top of my head were, you know, containers that you put them in wax paper. Maybe you've got wax paper on trays when stuff comes out of the oven, okay. uh, cupcake, uh, Cupcake, Cupcake paper cups. Yeah. Yep. You can also capture, you know, production and packaging wages here if you wanted to. Those are expenses mm -hmm. that are directly related to creating your product. Okay. You don't have to, but you have that option. And that's kind of what I went with here okay. in this example. Okay. All right. So as you follow down your template, you can see I've got my net revenue. Here's my total cost of goods sold. Okay. Everything okay. it costs to make the product. Okay. Yep. And at the end, you've got your gross profit, right? And then I just want to bring you back over here to May. You can see the difference between these months. We've got additional expenses because we're making more products. The right. costs are going to go up. So we're seeing that kind of as it plays out month over month. Okay. So, so see how those different numbers there. So gross profit. That's before your operating expenses. So again, just like your P&L, we have our operating expenses that come into play. And so okay. I put in several examples of what those would be. Again, they're spread over the month, uh, okay. month over month to come up with totals, right? Right. So rent, advertising, you know, your wages and salaries, owner's mm -hmm. pay, marketing, these are all 
fixed costs. These are all costs that you're going to have regardless of what you sell. Does that make right. sense? Go up if you could and maybe explain just a tad bit difference between costs of goods sold and operating expenses, two different categories. Yeah, cost of goods sold is your costs that are related to your products that are related to manufacturing or what your sales, say if you were a contractor, for example, part of what you sell is labor. You could place that labor into cost of goods sold because it is a cost directly related to what it is that you provide to your customer. The cost Offer. to create, okay, the cost to create that product, right? Just yep. to create it, this is what it costs us to do that. Okay, got it. Right. Operating expenses are what it's costing you to operate your business okay. outside of what it costs you to produce what you sell. Okay. These are expenses that you're going to have regardless of how many cupcakes you sell. Okay. Notice, good point, Donna. I noticed that unlike the operating costs, there's no fluctuation in these operating expenses because you talked about the fluctuation. You know, we looked at May, June, and July. Mm -hmm. The costs are going to go up, but the cost of, you know, your rent isn't going to increase during those same months where, you know, businesses, you're going to be bringing in more business. So is that kind of one of the key elements, the difference between the operating expenses? It stays the same come, yeah. come heck or high water? Yeah. Let me just point out real quick, though. With that said, yes, you're going to have specific things that are not going to change, such as your rent, such as owner's pay. Most of the time, your wages and salaries are going to be pretty on point. You mm. will have fluctuation in office supplies or advertising because those are going to change month over month based on daily business operations. You know, your phone bill will probably fluctuate a little bit. Maybe, maybe mm. not depending upon the business. But for the most part, you know, they are considered fixed costs that don't change. Uh, another question for you, Donna, because when we take a, a look at um, the costs of goods sold, you've got wages in one of those categories and mm -hmm. as, as well as, um, you know, payroll taxes. But then again, under gross, uh, under operating expenses, you've got, you know, wages and salaries mm -hmm. and uh, payroll taxes. Why don't you just lump all those together? You know, you can lump them all together. Um, I chose to do it this way because in my opinion, it gives you a better outlook on what does it cost me to run my business? Mm. What does it cost me to create what I sell? Under wages and salaries, under costs of goods sold, what's the difference between you know, somebody who would fulfill a wage and salary under cost of goods sold? And then what's the difference between the type of individual that would be under operating expenses? So why don't you take uh, costs yeah. of goods sold? Sure. So your wages and salaries under cost of goods sold are people in production, people that are creating, mm. you know, they're working the manufacturing area where you're creating the product. In this example, these would be, you know, your bakers. These are people putting cake batter into pans or frosting the cake, those types of activities. Your wages and salaries under operating expenses are going to be things like your accountant, your sales staff, receptionist, folks that have those types of jobs in your business. So that's why you've got the owner down there as well under operating expenses, maybe the CEO, because mm -hmm. they're not actually producing the product themselves. They're providing other type of value. 
to the yep. organization. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Okay. okay. So that, I like how you broke that out and it sounds like you've, you've worked with clients before. So then get, you know, it goes back to that clarity. Where does the money belong to absolute clarity? What's my mm-hmm. cost in producing this product from the equipment right. that is needed and the individuals who fulfill those roles to produce that product. And I like it that you've got down here, the operating expenses, your sales team, uh, you know, they're not producing the product, but they're accountable for getting the product out the door. And I can yep. see that's why you've got the owner pay, or if it's the CEO, all of those broken down between the two, that makes a lot of sense. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing it does is up here, when you have your wages and salaries of your production crew, it gives you a better picture of what your actual costs are involved in creating that product so that it it helps you gauge your selling, your selling price, Mm. uh, homes it in just a little bit more, right? You want to capture all those costs in your pricing. So this helps you dial in that a bit more. Okay. So this, by knowing the exact cost of what it is to to produce that product. I think in in our prior episodes, we talked about a lot of organizations do not capture the costs to produce their product. And that includes the employees that, you know, Mm -hmm. as well as material and, uh, you know, subtle other nuances. So when it comes to pricing your product, are you competitive within the market? Are you going to make a profit just from producing the product itself? Makes sense. So then we've got all the operating expenses. Yes. Here you have gross profit. Okay, gross profit of about for those of you who can't um, who can't see who are listening in, you know, Donna, we started with a net revenue of I'm going going to say about a million dollars. Donna subtracted out the costs of goods sold, and after she subtracted out the cost of goods sold, that came to about six hundred and sixty thousand on a monthly basis for this company, and that led to their gross profit of uh, you know three hundred thirty thousand dollars. So now that we've got $330,000 in growth, gross profit, Donna, we're now going to take out the operating expenses. We still have some more, <laughs> more expenses we got to go through. So after, you know, we start with 330,000 and now we're going to take out operating expenses. Where does that leave us? So following down the line here, that leaves us 288,000 for this example, our operating costs were just under 44,000. This here is what we got left over at the end of the month. This is what we made. So that's our projected net profit based uh, after we, we've controlled some of these costs, cost of goods sold, Correct. operating expenses. So now we've got clarity over the numbers where money should be going. Don, you've got up here, I noticed one column you've got miscellaneous expenses, miscellaneous expenses. What's your philosophy on that column? Yeah. So miscellaneous expenses is kind of a catch all for one-off things that should not be used a lot because everything should have a place. If you find, let's say over the course of the year, you're seeing that there's purchases that you're needing to make maybe they weren't another account being created. So you can do that. So that way, all of those costs are captured in one place, just kind of like your phones or your utilities. Miscellaneous expenses, like again, it's not supposed to be widely used. It should not have large dollar amounts in there. Well, I can also see by the miscellaneous expense, I like the point that you brought up. Everything should have a place to go. All of your cash should be accountable as to where it is going before we count it as a net profit. So I think what you're also pointing out 
you know, miscellaneous expenses, and this was one time taught to me when I was in the banking industry, it should be a zero every month. And like to your point, Donna, it should not be a large number. If you've got something showing up on miscellaneous expenses every month and it's starting to kind of grow, this forces the owner, we need clarity, go mm -hmm. back and review what in the world keeps showing up under miscellaneous expenses. Do we need to start creating another category under operating expenses? Do we need to start mm -hmm. create, you know, start accounting for something under operating expenses, uh, you know, or production expenses? Or is there something that's being charged to the company that frankly should not be charged to the company? And we need to account for that as well. Is that right? Yeah, you want to, uh, you just want to keep an eye on it. Everything should have a home. Correct. When everything has a home and a, and a place, it makes it easier going forward to see, okay, well, what did office supplies cost us this year? You have a better grip on exactly where your money is going. Miscellaneous expenses is like a black hole. <laughs> okay. For lack you don't of want a black term. hole. Yeah, you know? for lack of a better term. That's a very, very basic walkthrough of a budget template. Super simple. You just follow your P&L, take your historical data and create what, you know, your best guess. Just a quick comment. It's never going to come out spot on. Right. There's always going to be plus or minus on what you put in as your budget. It's simply a rule of thumb to give you more clarity, to provide you with basically an outline of what you're targeting. So that you can see throughout the year or whatever your time frame is that you've built this for, where the money is going. Are you on track? Are you overspending? It also just real quick will give you, say sales are down and they're not, maybe COVID happened again. It gives you the, <laughs> yeah, scratch that, you know, Yeah. delete, delete, delete. You know, we don't want to do that anymore, but it gives you, you know, if your revenues are dropping, mm -hmm. then, then you can go in and say, okay we need to cut this this month. So it gives you that way of seeing, okay, we need to back off of this. We need to cut here, here, and here so that you don't end up with a loss. You're going to end up with a reduced net profit because your sales are dropping, but maybe it won't be so drastic. Okay. That makes sense. And sometimes it's not a matter of an organization increasing sales. I know that you know, that kind of makes everyone shake their head. Increasing our sales is not always the answer to cash flow problems. Part of the answer, what Donna is showing you here, is if you don't capture all of your costs of goods sold, if you're not capturing that, and if you're not including that in your price, you could actually exasperate the problem by increasing sales. Because if you're running at a negative number because you don't have a correct accounting of how much it costs you to create your product or to provide your service, you're gonna be running at a net, even when you sell that particular product. And the more you increase sales, the more of that negative number uh, you're, you're gonna be running at. So this makes a heck of a lot of sense. This is one way that where sales could not be the problem, but controlling your cash before it controls you could be the problem. Donna, yep. as always, Thank you so much for the education. Another wonderful segment. Donna, if people have questions, I, can, I know we get a lot of questions after these segments are over. Where can they get a hold of you to get help uh, with creating yeah. a budget? So you can reach me at uh, my email address, which is Donna at templeexecutivecoaching.com. Also, Mike, um, let me just share that if somebody wants a copy of a budget template, they can just email me and I'll just shoot it out to them. For free. Awesome. Yeah. All right. There goes Donna again, giving away value for free. <laughs> 
and we just had this conversation, including the cost of production. So <laughs> heal thyself, right? Donna. No, <laughs> but that's Donna. She does do a lot of value, provide a lot of great value at, at no cost to her clients. So right. Donna, again, thank you so much uh, for sharing this with us. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the comments, uh, the questions. We look forward to hearing more questions and comments from you. Put those on our, our later segments. Until we meet again, I'm Mike Temple, your host with Temple Executive Coaching. Thank you. You've been listening to the Temple Executive Coaching Podcast, where we engage with experts in business growth for small and medium-sized companies. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Temple Executive Coaching Podcast, please email Mike Temple at mike at templeexecutivecoaching.com.